2: Welcome back. BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network Joe O, Joe G Aaron Hawks are with you on a Thursday, just a little over an hour away from the start of all the madness, and the tournament will truly tip off. And joining us now to talk about all that on the Roman guest line is Ed Egros, FanDuel, More Ways to Win with Ballet Sports West. And of course, the Power Rank Ed. Welcome back to the show. As we uh, as we start off here, as the madness gets set to begin. Uh, g- give me your overall take on, on the way the bracket lines up on, on kind of where some teams are. When you when you first saw it on Sunday night and kind of you had four days now to kind of just stare at this thing, what was uh, what was your big takeaway on how this thing lays out?
1: I think it's one of those things where, at least from, say, the data scientist perspective, we want to believe that the best team will have the easiest road and the second best team will have a slightly harder road and, and all, all that good stuff. And, and to an extent, I think that matters.
0: You mentioned. Um,
1: digging deeply in terms of specific matchups do matter a good bit, not just for individual spreads, but also if you're betting on futures, filling out your pool, whatever it might be. I do believe that certain key matchups matter a good bit. And so, for example, Auburn has an incredible front court, no doubt about that. We know about Jabari Smith. We know about Walker Kessler. They're, they're phenomenal. But there are other matchups where if they face uh, some incredible guard play or a team that can shoot a lot of threes and make a lot of threes, then Auburn's very much vulnerable And so despite the fact that they can certainly overpower lots of opponents, if they come across an absolute buzzsaw in terms of shooting threes, then Auburn should be on upset alert in that particular situation. And I think the only way you can really figure that out is by doing that deep dive, looking beyond just, you know, sort of, you know, basic rudimentary, you know, AP rankings, whatever they might be, and really dig deeply as far as which matchups are going to those problems for which favorites.
0: Ed, was there a specific team that you were very high on during the regular season uh, before we got to Selection Sunday, and now you're looking at the path? Like, Oh, man. Maybe if you would have gotten a future, or, or you did grab a future that you suddenly don't like it anymore.
1: Yeah, definitely. In fact, there's two in particular, and that would be Illinois and Houston. Those are two teams that if chalk happens in that first round, they're going to be meeting each other in the second round. And that will easily be the second round matchup that I will most look forward to because these are two teams that I really felt like had things broken down a little bit differently. Could have very well made the Final Four. Illinois, one of those teams that underperformed in the tournament last year. They still have Kofi Coburn, uh, you know, still a dominant player to say the least. And so I like Illinois a lot. And then with Houston, even without Marcus Sasser, they still have great shooters. The defense and sort of slower pace are still very, very good for Houston. These are two teams which I really felt like had things broken differently, could have very well made the Final Four. Instead, they may very well have to face each other in the second round. Uh, which will be fascinating, but the winner of that could very well be a dark horse to make the final four, and so there may be a future there after that second round. And I'll have a few extra days to kind of figure that one out.
2: Well, not to put you on the spot, but I assume you filled out a bracket by now. So, who does Eddie Gross have in his final four?
1: I think I filled out maybe forty of them by this point. Uh, I've I've kind of lost count. I stayed up late last night uh, knocking that out. But in, in terms of the main one, in terms. To the one I'm most comfortable with, Gonzaga, out of the West, no doubt about that one. I feel like uh, with with what they've done offensively, uh, with their front court, which I think is the best front court in the country, I think Gonzaga makes the Final Four, no problem there. I think Kansas also gets there. Uh, I'm a big Ochai fan, and so he, you know, Kansas makes a lot of sense there. Then I like Kentucky uh, over Baylor uh, down in that quadrant, in large part because, uh, you know, yes, I get. Kentucky, you know, in terms of offensive rebounding, they're about as good as any team in America. But they do have some shooters. And it's about about time that Calipari have some actual experience to work with instead of a bunch of one and duns. And so I'll be curious to see kind of that next step. And then as far as the aforementioned uh, Illinois-Houston matchup, Right now, I think Houston's going to be the one coming out of that bracket. Uh, as much as I like Arizona, I still feel like that guard play, you know even though it doesn't matter as much now as it used to, I still feel like that that could be a bit of a vulnerability for Arizona. So I think Houston is the one coming out of that particular bracket. But look, Illinois could as well, and you might even get better value in terms of going after a Final Four future with Illinois. Uh, so I'm kind of torn, but right now I'm leaning toward Houston.
2: I'm talking to Ed Egros here uh, about the NCAA tournament coming up, starting in just over an hour. Ed, we've talked all week here about the Midwest, how we think that there could be some chaos there, maybe especially in the bottom right-hand quadrant. Auburn, the two, struggled down the stretch of the season. Wisconsin coming in with injury to Johnny Davis. Uh, There's some interesting double-digit seeds there. LSU just fired their coach. If you look at that bracket, if there's some chaos, if not Kansas, what do you think? Pick a team out of that bracket, other than Kansas. You think if, if it gets wacky there, That intrigues you.
1: So as I pull this up and kind of double check in terms of uh, who is in the Midwest. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I personally believe that injuries can be a little bit overrated at this time of year because there are so many teams, so many things to keep in mind. So many, you know, different concepts play design, play designs, coaching styles, things like that. But I think we tend to gravitate toward injuries as one of those bigger deals. But look, look at Baylor, for instance. LJ Cryer is out, perhaps their best three-point shooter. Uh, Jonathan Chichua, probably their best offensive rebounder. And Baylor could still very well make the final four because they have so many other horses. And so it's one of those things where it doesn't really matter to me as much, unless, like, say, you're Ohio State and just about everybody is hurt. Uh, but as I kind of look at this Midwest, and boy, this is not going to load. That's lovely. Okay, who's in the Midwest? I'm. Forgive me here.
2: So the Midwest bracket is the the one of Kansas. They're the favorite, obviously. Auburn is yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. And then you look at the rest of that bracket. The third favorite to come out is Iowa as the five. Providence is the four. Providence, Some people, a lot of people think could lose today, this show among them. Uh, and then yeah. you have Wisconsin as a three. Injury to Johnny Davis. It feels like the bracket that could have the most um, just chaos there.
1: I'm not necessarily sure I'm, I'm there uh, in, in large in the, the way that I kind of see it is it probably would come down to Kansas and Auburn but I feel like after that uh, in terms of sweet 16 and round of 32 matchups I would not be surprised if Colgate pulls off that upset I'm not ready to to pick that one per se but you know can Colgate at least cover the number I think that makes a lot of sense you, you know with LSU firing its head coach remember that uh, Will Wade was not coaching there a few years ago, and they were still able to make the Sweet 16. And so I, I still think that LSU probably has a lot of things installed, not to mention Iowa State, I don't think, matches up very well in terms of that sort of you know defense-first kind of philosophy. I think LSU plays a better defense, and so I think LSU kind of uh, gets there. I wouldn't be surprised if LSU has a six-seed without their head coach. Uh, makes it and takes on Auburn one more time. I would still like Auburn because of the front court matchup. Uh, but as I look at everything else, uh, you know, Providence, I probably feel like is the one team I have the least confidence in among uh, the better seeds. And look, even South Dakota State, if they face Iowa or Richmond, South Dakota State's got one of the better offenses in the country. I wouldn't be surprised if a 13 makes it to the Sweet 16 out of that quadrant.
2: And
0: uh, looking so you- at- yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, uh, you mentioned South Dakota State. Any other uh, upsets? I I know people see that 13 next to them. They're going to think big upset, but that's not a big upset, even if it does happen today, and that's the headline. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, with with the very short spread. Any big upsets today, tomorrow you're looking at? Uh,
1: Today or tomorrow, uh, you know, one thing to uh, sort of remind myself who's playing today and tomorrow. Uh, I think that Vermont can upset Arkansas. And one of the things that you want to look for as far as upsets are concerned is which team is likely to perform better from beyond the arc. And three-point shooting prediction is a fool's errand in a lot of ways because three-point shooting is very volatile. Sometimes you have a great night, sometimes you have a bad night, sometimes being in the tournament you naturally get better, and sometimes you naturally get worse. But in, in, in terms of at least predicting who is going to perform a little bit better shooting three. I want a team that's at least going to shoot it at a very high rate. And among all the teams that are in the tournament, there are a few that shoot threes at a higher rate than Vermont. And so if they do get hot, I don't know if Arkansas, which kind of hangs hangs its hat on defense, is really going to be able to slow Vermont down very much. And Arkansas, you know, that pace may be the thing that they rely on to try and keep up if Vermont does get hot. But Arkansas also overperformed a little bit in the tournament a year ago. And so I feel like Vermont is a 13 seed, uh, has an opportunity to advance. And then we face UConn or New Mexico State. And, you know, not UConn good on the offensive boards, but perhaps that's not enough to kind of overwhelm Vermont either. So Vermont's another one of those teams that I'm looking at seriously.
2: All right. Um, so what about some of these earlier games, Ed? Is there anything you like in this early slate today?
1: Uh, early slate, uh, what are some games that you guys have, uh... it's amazing what I've forgotten in terms of schedule. Oh, sorry. But, I didn't mean uh... to put you on
2: the spot. Uh, Michigan, yeah. um, let's Love see, Michigan. San Diego State, Providence, Memphis.
1: Yeah, the Providence thing is interesting in large part because uh, when it comes to Providence, I know it's all about, you know, they've won a lot of really close games and, you know, that's why, you know, they're a, bit of a fraud as a four seed, whatever it might be. But it definitely does take two to tango. And it's one of those things where it's two points. I feel like that this is kind of common knowledge up to this point And I feel like the spread is pretty sharp as it is. Mm-hmm. I I do think that Providence should be upset alert. Yes, because it's two. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Providence pulls this off either. Uh, you can certainly not advance them far, uh, but just because a team has won a lot of close games doesn't necessarily mean that they're sort of poised for, uh, you know, losing big against, you know, a team with a great offense like South Dakota State. But at the same time, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, the numbers that that I put together and the numbers that Ed Bang had put together, two is about right. And so, I, I it's probably a stay away game for me in terms of betting on it. But, you know, can I advance Providence one game?
2: Yeah, sure, why not? The, the other game that's interesting for all of us today, Marquette-UNC. What's your thought on that one? It feels like a toss-up game, but it's a three-and-a-half point number. It's kind of jumping over that three mark. Marquette-UNC, 8-9 game. Uh, what do you think here? I think at some
1: point we need to accept the fact that Shaka Smart was in a really difficult situation at Texas, and that, look, last year they win the Big 12 tournament. It's not like Shaka Smart all of a sudden forgot how to coach. And UNC, I do believe coming out of the ACC is a bit of a knock. Uh, that conference is the worst it's been uh, perhaps ever at this point. And so in, in terms of the the coaching style and sort of, you know, more aggregate macrocosmic numbers, I feel like that Marquette is in a great situation.
0: Where are you on UCLA as the four seed out of the East?
1: Where am I on UCLA? You know, it's fascinating. I mean, like, I still am a big Johnny Juzang fan, and I still feel like that UCLA has one of the more dangerous offenses in America. But as I watched him a lot uh, here out on the West Coast there was something that seemed to be missing. And I don't know if that missing thing was ever there to begin with in terms of what they did in the tournament a season ago. I mean, I'm, I'm a f- firm subscriber to the plexiglass principle, especially when it comes to filling out my bracket this year, and that if a team perhaps overperformed a season ago, then perhaps they're kind of due for a little bit of regression this go-round. And UCLA seems like one of those teams where, just watch the Pac-12 championship game, they were overwhelmed as far as the front work front court was concerned and they don't necessarily have the guard play to be able to kind of shoot themselves back into a contest and so when it comes to ucla yeah i have respect for the program and yeah there's still some great players from a season ago but they're not exactly impressing me enough uh to have them going super far in my bracket at least
2: great stuff ed we know we always appreciate hopping on thank you enjoy the next couple days enjoy the tournament and we'll catch up soon not leaving the house Yes, not leaving the house at all. Well, you know what? You shouldn't H- hang out, watch the games, enjoy it. Eddie Gross on the Roman guest line. Get a free online evaluation on Go Care for Ed, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Go to GetRoman.com/slash Beckuel now to get fifteen dollars off your first one. That's GetRoman.com/slash Beckuel. Joe, I saw the, uh, the the message you got from a listener talking about the UCLA discussion we've had and. Uh, their path. I, I didn't realize that they probably have to go through four top five teams to win it all. It's, it's a tough path if they do do it.
0: It is, but you have to look at the injuries that Baylor, one, yep. of, the, one of the teams that they're dealing with, and at least Kentucky and Purdue are going to knock each other out. But yeah, it potentially it could be a tough road.
2: It could be. We'll get the contest picks next. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth, BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network.